Amen. Man, give God a round of applause. Isn't that awesome stuff today? And not only is the Spirit of God moving, but uh, here's what's coming down your way. Uh, Tanner, I'm declaring, uh, I guess, guess we could be the, the boss, but uh, man, I, I really do think that that song is going to become the theme song for what we're getting ready to introduce to you guys. Uh, here's what we want you to get excited about next Sunday night in your Connect groups. Uh, Taylor's going to be sending all of our Connect group leaders a whole packet of information, and it's simply called Pray and Go, and it's exactly what we just sing about. At our church, we don't just try to make you feel guilty. We don't tell you you should go do something. We give you the practical resources and plan of action to actually change the neighborhoods and the people and the families with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to launch Pray and Go, which is going to be an opportunity for all of our connect groups, for you as individuals, to pray over your neighborhoods to pray this song over your families. And as you go through your neighborhoods, and we're going to give you a detailed plan of how to do that, we're also going to give you door hangers. We're not going to go bust up on people and get shot at, but we're just simply going to put a door hanger over a doorknob, and it just simply says, hey, somebody at Connect Church prayed for you today. God bless you. If you'd like to know more about Jesus and and our church, then here's the information. Isn't that awesome? We're so excited about launching that. That song just describes what we're fixing to do here at Connect Church. So thank you guys for being a part of this. Uh, And man, I want to give a shout out to to Tanner and the band today as well. Uh, I was at Memphis Grizzlies basketball game last night and they destroyed the magic. Uh, Our churchly basketball team could have beat Orlando. But anyway, uh, and during the halftime, they had a band that played, and it was honestly very sucky. I mean, they just bombed it. Uh, They were up on the stage and all the lights, and the whole time they were playing, I'm thinking, dude, they need to come to Connect Church. One, they look like they needed Jesus, but number two is, man, the quality of what we get a chance to be led in worship and to do every Sunday. Uh, Man, I'm thankful for them. Give them a round of applause. We appreciate our whole praise band. All these guys do a phenomenal job. And thank you guys for being a part of today. Chop just told me that um, and this is not what it's about. It's about the Word of God and what we're getting ready to tell you about what He can do in your life. But today we, uh, we broke another record attendance for a regular Sunday. We got 435 here today just on a regular day. So thank you guys. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for being a part of a move of God. When churches are dying, they're closing their doors and preachers are quitting. Folks, we're praying for revival. We're praying for revival in our lives, in our discipleship groups, and we're living in it, and we just need to honor him. Would you bow with me today? God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We've worried. We've made mistakes. We've failed, and we've feared through the last two years. It's been discouraging, It's been despairing, and Satan has attacked at every level. And yet we're still here today because our hope is in Jesus. And God, you declare victory over death, disease, hell, and the grave. And for Missouri, 
to those watching online, to those in the house today. We lift up the name of Jesus, and may your name be glorified, and would you reveal the truth of who you are this morning and change the way we see ourselves and our circumstances and all God's people said. We are so glad that you guys are here this morning. We're going to talk to you about that very subject today. And uh, man, what a marvelous testimony already from the Gideons this morning. And so here's the introduction into a new chapter. We're going verse by verse through the book of Luke. God's got a plan for your life. That plan is to figure out in your life. God's got a plan for your life. Jesus is that plan. And what Luke is revealing to us in the next few weeks, we're going to talk to in chapter 7, five stories that Luke will tell about the life of Jesus. And each one of them is going to unpack, reveal to you another aspect of how Jesus can reveal himself to help you figure out his plan for your personal life. How cool is that? God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and we're going to give you a different piece over these next several weeks of each one of those. And so this morning, the introduction to what we're talking to you guys about today is survival experts. How many of you all watch the survival shows? Any of you guys got any survival fans? Uh, If you watch Naked and Afraid, uh, I don't want to know about it, all right? When I said that, and I said this morning, get out, I promise you, one guy got up, uh, he was a security team, he was heading out, and I go, dude, Zach, do you really watch Naked? Anyway, um, uh, so I don't want to know about the Naked and Afraid show, but here's what the survival shows will tell us, that shelter, you need four things to survive, four things to survive. You know what they are? Shelter, water, food, And interestingly, hope. This is what the sociologists tell us. uh, Shelter, food, water, and hope. Now, if you've ever watched Castaway, Tom Hanks would argue that you need a volleyball. And uh, Wilson, all right, all right, so we all got it with me, so all right, tracking with me this morning. And even Wilson uh, represented hope. And and so ironically, though, in in an unbelievable twist, in our country here in America, Two years ago, as of 2020, 90 Americans committed suicide every day. Today, recent statistics, after COVID, it has increased 30%, and 132 people in America lose hope and take their life every single day. There is an important message that God has for us today And let's define this hope before we can really unpack it. So here's what I want to use as the working uh, platform for the definition of hope this morning. I want you to write it down. Hope is a longing for something and an anticipation of fulfillment. The problem is, is that we tend to go to one of two extremes when we're understanding this definition, this reality of hope, And we tend to make it something that is never intended to be, or we don't have any of it at all. 
And so I promise you I'm not going to use this next Sunday because this is two weeks in a row. But by now our church family knows and y'all keep coming back. So, uh, But uh, my favorite movie, the TBS version of Dumb and Dumber. And so I'm going to use it one more Sunday. And so anyway, Harry and Lloyd uh, are in their apartment, nasty apartment. And y'all remember the opening scenes, uh, the mobster dudes that, you know, they don't even know who they all are and everybody's confused. But they come into Harry and Lloyd's apartment and they're trying to trash the place and it's already nasty. And they kill their little pet bird that's in the cage. And Harry and Lloyd walk in after the mobsters have been in there. They don't know what's going on. And Harry has lost his job. Lloyd's lost his job. And they're just, Harry just loses it. Y'all ever been there? And Harry yells at Lloyd. And he says, we, I've lost my job. We've lost our car. And now, and he reaches in to get the bird, and the bird's head falls off. And he yells, and Lloyd, and he goes, even our pet's heads are falling off. We have no hope. It's really funny. Watch the movie. Anyway, and so at that point, they, their view is skewed. And now here's the important piece that I want you to get out of this. Their view of their circumstances in life is skewed by the fact that they don't even know that there's an enemy that's messing with them. Life wasn't nearly as bad as they thought it was, but their problem was they didn't see the enemy as really causing their whole view of their circumstances to lead them to despair. Point number one, now on the other end of the spectrum where we misinterpret this definition of hope, the devil's really good at causing us to miss the truth of God. Now at the other end, at the end of the movie, you remember when Harry finally gets to Colorado and he meets Miss Swanson? And she's rich and she's beautiful and Harry's Harry. You know John. Uh, and so Harry's just Harry and he meets and he meets Miss Swanson and she's got it all going on and Harry walks up to her in that classic scene, you know, and he meets her for the first time and he's nervous and he's not as cool as me. And he says, we're sort of like you guys, and he says... To Miss Swanson, so what's the odds that a guy like me, and he says a few other things, and so we can't discuss in church, and he says, what's the odds of a guy like me having a shot at a girl like you? And she looks at the goober, and she says to him, maybe one in a million. <laughs> and every man in the room knows when you've been shot now. And so Harry is not good at accepting reality, like some of y'all's personality types. He just refuses to accept pain. And so Harry looks at Miss Swanson and says, so you know, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, he was optimistic uh, that even those one in a million that he had a shot, he didn't. Uh, and so uh, the truth of the matter is, is that when we have bad stuff happening in our life, we tend to do one of two extremes. We don't see what the enemy is around us doing us. And then the other of you and your personality types, you just keep thinking if everything works out, pie in the sky and all the pieces and the planets align, then somehow I will get my joy and I will be happy back. No chance. No chance. That's not the definition of a hope that God wants to reveal to you and I. And this extreme views of hope, I saw played out in Ukraine this week. And this is so 
difficult to even talk about. You've all watched the scenes. Continue to pray. Pray that Putin will be defeated. If he doesn't get saved, he'll be destroyed. Book of Psalms. Read it. Pray it. It's how you pray for your enemies. And um, two scenes unfold that are just horrifying. I think it was yesterday, and I was processing the sermon and finishing it up, and I'm going to add this into it. And, and there was uh, like a retirement apartment building that was bombed by the Russian military, and it was so sad. And out of that just mangled building, the reporters were talking to senior citizens, many of them walking with a walker or a cane, and they're trying to get over rubble, wheelchairs. It was just disgusting to see how pitiful it was. And they interviewed and they asked these seniors, why didn't you leave sooner? And their answer was just really glaring to me, and it fits so much into what Jesus is saying in this text. Is their answer was this, well, this is our home. And we just didn't really think that this amount of evil could ever happen here. And their personality types had just decided that the world can't be that bad. This could not possibly be happening. And so they just ignored the reality of the pain that they were in and didn't accept it. And now they were totally disillusioned and their lives were wrecked. And at the next clip, they interview a, a younger woman with three kids in Kiev in a bomb shelter with three small children, and this woman has a completely different take on everything that's happening. She's fired up. She says, my husband's outside now with a rifle shooting at the Russian military. And, she, and they interviewed her, and they said, well, how are you, you know, you've been now for two weeks in a bomb shelter with three kids. How are you not going nuts? And she says, because this is worth fighting for. We're here for a reason. We're here for a cause. And you could just hear the hope coming out of this young woman's life. And she goes, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know this. We're not going down without a fight. And it illustrates the very perspectives of what God is trying to say to you in our, in our lives today. What we need is hope that is based on truth. And what I want to simply call this morning hope that is deep down. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7 this morning. Hope that is, that is down deep in us, that God wants to reveal to you and I, and he wants to show us what it really looks like. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to see two stories that help us develop a hope that is deep within inside of us. Despair is the antithesis of hope this morning. Uh, Thornton Wilder writes these words about the opposite of hope. Hope is a projection of the imagination, and so is despair. Despair all too readily embraces the ills it foresees, and hope is an energy and arouses the mind to explore, I love this, every possibility to combat them. You and I need to see this morning, and what Jesus is going to unpack for us is two stories. He's going to tell us, first of all, this morning in Luke chapter 7, about a centurion soldier who's not even a Jew, but believes in Jesus. A centurion soldier who's probably like a captain in the Roman army, 
A centurion soldier, by definition, means that he has a hundred men under him. So he's a powerful dude. And he's going to send messengers to Jesus. And he's going to say, hey, I believe in Jesus. My hope is in Jesus. And if you'll just come to my house, I've got a slave that is dying. And I believe you can save him. A hope based in Jesus in a dastardly situation. And the second story that we're going to unpack for you this morning, at the very end of the sermon, we're going to give you the details, is in a little Syrian city. It doesn't even take place in Israel, a little city called Nain, and and it's in a Syrian city outside of the country of Israel. Jesus is going to take his disciples into that city, and they're going to meet a widow who now has lost her son. And you talk about a desperate hour. She's lost her husband, and now her only child is dead until Jesus enters into the picture. Are you guys ready to see what hope down deep inside of us really looks like? Would you stand with me this morning? Man, this is a great word, and we're going to dive into it today. And so here's what it looks like in your life and mine. Luke 7, and after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And now a centurion, his servant, who was sick at the point of death, who was highly valued by him, when the centurion heard about it, <clears throat> Jesus sent him to the elders of the Jews and asking him to come heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation. As a matter of fact, he's helped us build our synagogue. And Jesus went with him, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not, <clears throat> do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word. I love this. Let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority who soldiers under me, and I say to one, go and go, and he goes to another, come, and he comes, because that's who I am. And my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, and he said, I tell you that not even in Israel have I found such a faith. And when when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. That's hope realized. Verse 11. And soon afterwards he went to a town called Nain. And the disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, and the only son of his mother And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd of the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion, circled that on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and he touched the bear. We're going to explain to you what that looks, what that is. And And the bear stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all. Now you're sitting there and a dead man raises up. You pretty much, you got your attention at that point. And they all glorified God, saying, And a great prophet has written among us, has risen among us, and God has visited his people. That's an understatement. That's what you're doing here today. God has visited with us. Amen? And his report among them spread throughout the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Dr. Daryl Bach, his New Testament scholar, he does such a great job with this text. And here's what he says. He says, the miracle of the healing of the centurion slave is less about the miracle and more of a character study 
of the centurion himself. I think he's dead right. What we want to unpack this morning is to concentrate on the character of the centurion, a man who had incredible hope in Jesus Christ. And now, here's who this dude is. And, and get this with me this morning. He is a Roman soldier. He is not a Jew. Now, think with me. Jesus is in the city of Capernaum. And when he's preaching in the synagogue, he's finished his sermon. We just went through it for weeks now in Luke 6. And he's about to leave. And all of a sudden, these Roman, I mean, these Jewish leaders come up to him and said, Hey, we've, we've gotten word from this guy that we know. He's a friend of the Jews, but he's not one of us. And he has sent for you and says, one of his slaves is dying. Would you be willing to help? Now, when you all read that through our American eyes, we're going, oh, man, this guy cannot be that good of a dude because he's got slaves. Well, let me explain to you the biblical history. So in the Bible times, slavery is not what it became in America in the scourge upon our history. In the Bible times, slavery was much different. So don't think of it just in what you have read and, and experienced. In the Bible times, a slave was often like the penal justice system as well as welfare. So let me explain. If you had a slave, many of the slaves in the Bible days were a part of being punished. If you had stolen from somebody, let's say that I went over to John's house and, and I stole his big rig, and so I'm driving his truck. Well, I get arrested for that. Uh, John's like, well, go ahead and go on and make the next run. But anyway, uh, I steal the truck, and I get arrested for that. And the, and the punishment is, is I got to go work for John. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, anyway, and I got to go work for John. That's going to be, we're, we're going to get in so much trouble if I'm working with you, dude. Anyway, <laughs> we're never given that delivery. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, we're going to have a good time. But, uh, and, and so I go to work for John for five years to help pay back what I've taken from him. That's what, and so you would work for somebody that you had robbed, and, you, and then when you had earned your, your punishment, they would let you go. Honestly, I think that's something we ought to look at. That's not a bad concept. Uh, number two uh, is in the whole mode of, it was like welfare. So if you were an abandoned child, and there was many abandoned children, they did not have children's homes. They did not have social programs. And so the way that you were to try to do a good deed is that you would take children that would die and you would bring them into the, your home. And honestly, they would work for you and you would feed them and clothe them and shelter them. And then at the age of 30, you would allow them to go free, but you had saved their life, and you would just give them all their rights. And so really, slavery in those days was a way of bringing people up to where they could go on. Now, there was exceptions, but that was the general concept when you read slavery in the Bible. So that's just a great piece to process. And then it really impacts this story. So this Roman soldier loves his slave, now you understand why, and he wants to help him. He said, this is a good dude. He's fixing to be free in a few years. I want this guy to be healed. And so he sends a word to Jesus, and he has the hope deep down that Jesus can do this miracle. Now think about the crowd that Jesus is with. And I think it represents a lot of us in the church house this morning, sitting in the, in the chairs. Jesus is with the Pharisees who don't accept his word, 
who don't accept his power, they don't believe in him, and they're sitting there, Brooks, watching Jesus heal people, listening to him preach the, the truth, and none of them believe in him. They would crucify him months later. And then he's got the 12 disciples. They're hanging out with Jesus in the very same context. And they're like, yeah, we're going to defend you and we're going to stand with you until a rooster crows and they all freak out and they run away from Jesus and they quit on him. A bunch of Baptist deacon. Anyway, just kidding. Well, sort of. But how many times does this story represent us here this morning? We hear Jesus we got 430 people here this morning. Wow, Jesus, great song, Tanner. Great message. Well, oh, man, that was a testimony. And then you all go home and don't do John Brown different in your lives. And what I want to help you do this morning is be more than just pumped up and inspired. That's a piece of it. But what good does it do if we don't change how we live? The Roman soldier had self-awareness. Now, let me go back to last Sunday's message. You're not going to be able to get what you really need out of this sermon today until you go back and listen last week, Luke 6. Jesus is building the case. I want to give my people hope, but I can't give you all hope until you recognize you all are looking at your circumstances wrong. You've got this, you're mad about other people, you're mad about your situation, you're unhappy that what cards life has dealt you all, and the whole problem is, is you've got a log coming out of your own eye and you've got all this problem, but you're trying to judge everybody else. I'm telling you, the reason we don't have hope and happiness is because we're miserable with our circumstances and conditions. The Roman centurion believed Jesus. Hope, deep down, could change his circumstances of a dying slave. I'm telling you, that's money. That's a game changer. And so this morning, the message is simply this in application real quickly. Please hear me today. The reason so many of you do not have hope in your personal lives, I'm talking about what y'all go home with today and what you go home to, is because you're trying to play God. I want you to look at the screen. And here's the definition um, that I want you to get. This is why you all are frustrated. This is why you need to lesson the last Sunday sermon. You realize when you play God in your life, it's exhausting. You keep trying to fix the messes that you're in. Some of them created by your own stupid choices. Most of them. And some of them, because you've just not been aware, like Harry, that the enemy's trying to screw up your life and you're not realizing it and you keep getting mad at all the people around you. You keep getting frustrated at your job, get frustrated with your kids, get frustrated with your spouse, and you keep wanting to have this pie-in-the-sky happy life. Well, become self-aware and realize you keep wanting perfect life. And let me explain something to you. Look at me this morning. It doesn't happen. You keep looking for the joy and the hope in all these wrong places. Being God is exhausting. And so the second thing that you all do, that we do, is that we get to a place where we realize, you know what? I'm just not as good as the deacons at Connect Church because my marriage isn't going well. My kids aren't doing well. Look how 
you know, anyway, uh, and, and, and I'm just kidding. And, and so we, we, get, we get to feeling sorry for ourselves, and, the, and we forget that the devil's a liar, and we get to thinking, well, I'm just never going to be good enough. I guess God, I guess God just doesn't like me as much as he does Mark Huddleston, because Mark's got a perfect life by looking at social media. Chris has got a perfect life by looking at social media. I can't even say it about Mark. Anyway, uh, but anyway, I'm just saying. And, and so we, we, we think and we feel sorry for ourselves and we're like, God just doesn't care about me. And, and <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I'm going to lose you, so let me bring you back. So let me tell you a funny story of what, how we think about this and how we, the devil gets us off track. Y'all are like the, the lady that was a blonde, dizzy blonde, and she's in an airplane. And... Uh, and you guys are like believing in God like the air traffic controller. And you think he's that kind of God. So let me just tell you a story. So this dizzy blonde is in an airplane, a little Cessna, two-seater. She's uh, flying with a pilot. And all of a sudden, the, <laughs> the, the, it's not funny sort of, but the pilot dies. And so the dizzy blonde is, uh, I know that part went funny, but anyway, so, but the rest of it is. So, uh, and so anyway, just hang with me. Uh, and so the, the dizzy blonde's up in the plane, and she just starts screaming over the airways, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Uh, anybody out there? Uh, she goes, I need help, I need help, I need help. And the air traffic controller comes on there. And this is sort of how you all view God. And um, air traffic controller says, well, I want to help you. Don't you worry. Don't you dare worry. Calm down. He's a calming voice. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. I've been in this situation many times before. I know how to get you out of this mess. Everything's going to be okay. And she's like, okay, all right. Now here's what I need you to do. I need you to look in front of you, all those instruments and stuff, and tell me, what is your height and what position are you in? So the dizzy blonde, she comes back on and she goes, I'm 5'4 and I'm in the front seat. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, uh, and so, so, so there's a deafening pause because he realizes, you know, the air traffic controller, what he's up against here. And so <laughs> the next words out of the air traffic controller's lips are, uh, please repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> I mean, and so uh, he realized, and, and some of you all view God that way. You're like, God just doesn't favor me. You know, I'm dumb. I made stupid choices. I don't listen to instructions. Well, how many of y'all feel like you just jacked up your whole life? You're here this morning as a total mess. What is it they say in South Mississippi? I've learned since I've been here, y'all are a hot mess. I don't even know what that means, but anyway, uh, sort of weird. But, uh, and, and so you just feel like your life is a total mess and that God's just not on your team. Now listen to me this morning. Here's the lie that we want to stop you to, in believing. Here's the thing. Look at me this morning. Every stupid decision you've ever made, God still cares about you. Somebody say amen. Everything that you've ever done wrong, God still cares about you. The centurion believed in Jesus. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a disciple. He wasn't a Pharisee. He just believed in Jesus and his life and his circumstances. And notice how Jesus responds. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. The hope down deep 
that the centurion had, and turning to the crowd that followed him, Jesus was teaching all the rest of them and us a lesson. I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such a faith. He's saying, what you all need to do is believe in me like the centurion believed in me. This is how you get hope down deep. How do you all get hope down deep? Do y'all ever wish in your frustrations that Jesus would show up at your house? Now, I just want you to be honest. And seriously, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have ever wished that Jesus would show up at your house one day, knock on the door when you're going through it, and just say, hey, I'm here for you, Shelly. Hey, Kaylin, I'm here for you. He might even do that to Daniel. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but uh, what, what if he just showed up, and he knocked on the door how many of you would love to have that happen in your life for Jesus just to show up, knock on the door, and say, hey, tell me what's going on? Amen? And we think that. But you know what's better than that? Is God, Jesus himself said, I'm going to go away. And when I do, I'm going to send a comforter that is going to be greater than I. Whoa, you're talking about blasphemy now, preacher. Somebody is greater than Jesus. I didn't say it. He did. He said, I'm going to give you what you've never heard in a Baptist church, two words, Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit's going to do is he's going to reveal truth to you, and he's going to show you even greater. Because more than just once in a blue moon, Jesus knocking on your door, Jesus how about the Holy Spirit is with you 24-7? The Holy Spirit is with you every hour, every day, every night. He's in this John Brown service, and he wants to go home with you if you will take him. Can I illustrate what happens when you get this Holy Spirit thing down? He wants to tell you, Jesus cares for you, but y'all ain't listening. Here's what happened to me this week, Miss Marie. I had a difficult week. Some stuff just happened, and problems and situations just began to pile up. And honestly, I lost hope. I'm like, dude, I, I just I can't go through this again. This is just, man, I'm tired, I'm old, and we can't be having this kind of junk. And, and, and I was just like, I was mad at people. You ever, ever done that? I was mad at circumstances, and I'm like, dude, I'm in no mood for this this week. Am I the only one that ever thinks that? And so you know what I did? Is I went and did what I do every day, and I sit down and do, did my hear journals. And I was in my hear journals reading along with you all this week in the book of Corinthians. And guess where I landed on this day where I didn't have much hope going? It was down to zero on my tank. I read this scripture that we have up on the screen, and here's what God revealed to me that day in my hear journal reading that you all read this week. Now, he has received not the spirit of the world, Paul's telling the Corinthian church, but the spirit who is from God. That we might understand, this is so good, the things freely given us by God. Notice what he says, understand, self-aware. And when we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. Now look at me. Terry, you don't need another podcast. You don't need another book. What you need is just time with me in the word. And he said, I'm going to teach you by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And do you know what happened at that moment, Kevin? I realized 
who Paul was writing to. The Corinthian church was jacked up. I'm telling you, they had some of you all there. And the Corinthian church was arguing and fighting about who was the greatest preacher among us. Boy, the guy in the video was way better than our preacher. Anyway, uh, and so uh, they're, they're arguing about who's, you know, who's the really good preacher and all this stuff. And Paul says, would y'all just shut up? Y'all are missing the whole point. It's not about the preacher whatsoever. It's about the salvation of Jesus Christ. It's about the fact that Jesus has changed you all in Corinth. Y'all have forgotten what Jesus has done for you. And, and Paul comes back and he says, it's about the Holy Spirit speaking truth into your life where you're at in your home. Do you know what changed my whole view this week? I had hope again, Hector, because Jesus gave me hope in my home office, in my prayer time, and in my hear journal. Guys, you all want to get a deep down hope? Then get your backsides into the Word of God. It's what my brother was just sharing with you. This stuff doesn't just work for a trick baby or a preacher who doesn't deserve to be here today. It works for you. But you got to get into the Word. How dare you? And I'm not trying to hurt on Grant today, but how dare you give 20 bucks for a Gideon Bible to go out to a prison when you don't open it up in your house? Ouch. Are y'all still here? Why would you believe that the Word of God can transform folks like that when we don't take the time to let it transform our problems, our circumstances, and give us hope? Jesus is the answer of the deep down hope that you're looking for. Here's what happened in my life. Here's what will happen in your life when you allow the Word of God to change you. My confidence rebounded. My hope returned. And when I spent time in the presence of Jesus. And then here's what God gave me for the sermon as we wrap all of this up. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now hear me this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I want you all to know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, look at me. You're here today. And you're going, man, I, I don't even know that I've ever been saved, preacher. Welcome to Connect Church. We love seekers. That's why I preach the way I preach. We want to help people that are looking for truth to help you find Jesus. Not our doctrine, not our religion, not me. I want you to help you find the truth. Here's the truth that has robbed you all of your life of a better life. The salvation that is talked about in 1 Peter 1, 3-4 that we just read. Amen, church. Y'all ready for this? The salvation offered is a living hope. Are you with me this morning? Somebody say amen in the church. The salvation is offered to us is a living hope. And not only is it a living hope, but it is a hope that is stronger than death, and it extends beyond death. It is a hope that is found in the resurrection. And in the resurrection... Everything permanent that could be destroyed was defeated and crushed. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know this morning that Jesus was God's expression of mercy. Jesus 
was God purchasing salvation for us through death on the cross. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death we were condemned to die. He was God dying on a cross. Jesus didn't just die for us. He died instead of us. Somebody say amen. That's who Jesus is. So this morning, I want to tell you a couple of quick things to take home with you today. If you are trusting that this, when this COVID crisis is over with, and we can just, are you listening to me? We can get back to normal, and I can come back to church, and I can do all this. I'm telling you, you're believing a lie. Because as soon in if, which I don't think will happen, we get COVID underway, something else is coming. You all are putting your hope that the government can solve all your problems. How's that working out for you? I need somebody that is agreeing with me that they'll carpool so I can afford to come to church on Sunday for Morville. Anybody from Morville, hit me up next week. I'm telling you, how's your politics working for you? How is your hope that science is going to solve all of our problems? How good is that doing for us? Maybe our hope is in the wrong thing. And now I want you to write this down because this is it. This is it. We're fixing to wrap all this up. If you need anything in your life to change in order to have peace or be happy, you haven't found the living hope of the gospel. Just leave that up there for a second, Chuck. I'm telling you, this is the whole sermon. This is what Jesus was saying. If you're putting your hope that, oh, if I just have a better life, if I just get my kids right, if I just get the right job, if I'm single and I get married, what happens if you don't get married? What happens if we never get past COVID? What happens if you don't ever get the better job? Are you still going to be that miserable and living in fear? Or are you going to decide today, my hope, my hope, is not in my circumstances, it's in Jesus. He offers us a better way to go. And here's what it looks like. The believer's hope is to know Christ. The believer's hope is to be like Christ. And the believer's hope is my favorite, is to be with Christ. You realize this is not our home. This is not our home. Turn off the knees and get ready to go to heaven. (laughs) And look at me this morning. You're never going to be ultimately having hope and joy in this life because your kids are going to get sick. Preachers are still going to be long-winded. All of this is going to happen in your life. Your hope is in a person, and his name is Jesus. Luke finishes the story. This tells us the second story. This is going to be much shorter. And he goes to a little city called Nain in Syria, present-day Syria. And as he's walking into the entrance of the village, small little town, there's a funeral going down, and they're carrying the body out. Now, in America, we would carry a body in a casket. But in those days and times, in their culture, they didn't use caskets. They would carry a body to a cave, probably owned by a family friend. And on that and then and the way they would carry the body out is the body would be out in the open, and the word be'er, B-I-E-R, that's translated in the scripture there, 
it was sort of like this. You would take two poles and you would put leather straps from one end of the poles to the other and you'd have four guys and they would carry the body out just on this leather straps with the two poles holding them. So the body's out in view. And so that's the scene. And as the funeral procession comes along, there's a woman. Her husband's died. She's a widow, the text tells us. Now, when you all read that story, and I know we've got widows in the room today and ladies that have lost their husbands. Some of you have lost kids or your, or your spouse. But this is different and this is even more complex because in their culture, a woman that has lost her husband and her only child, she would be castigated from the society because they would deem her as no longer beneficial because she couldn't produce a child or provide. So a woman in Jesus' day, if you lost your husband and your kid, you were kicked out of the community and you were left to starve to death and die. This woman is screaming, knowing she has no hope, Chris. Not only has she lost her husband, not only has she lost her child, but now she's going to lose everything until she meets Jesus. And Jesus walks by the funeral procession and he goes, y'all care to hold up for a minute? <laughs> y'all get the picture? And Jesus just looks at her dead son and he says, rise. And that kid sits straight up and all of a sudden this woman who has no husband, her son is dead, and she's fixing to be castigated from culture and society. Life and hope arise from the bier, and the kid sets up, and Jesus says, go and be with your mom. And I want to tell you today, Jesus has brought you all into the house. Jesus has brought you into this church because he knows and he's saying to those, and you're, some of you are going, well, Jesus didn't save my kid. Jesus didn't save my spouse. I want to tell you, if your spouse or your kid knew Jesus, I want to tell you, they are not in the casket. No preacher did anything over a casket or a dead body. They weren't there. Gee, they're in the presence of Jesus. We have hope today a deep down hope today because we are in the presence of Jesus and here's what I want to leave you with on a hard-hitting sermon but here's the two things number one hope is restored when we remember that Jesus is not limited by the things that make us feel helpless just hang out there for a second I want you to write this down this is what we're taking home today. Hope is restored, not by the change of your circumstances, not when your spouse treats you better, not when your kids do better, not when your coworker does better. Hope is restored when we remember that Jesus is not limited by the things that make us feel helpless. But now number two is my favorite. This is a game changer, Chop. Hope remains when we accept his truth. Remember what Harry and Lloyd's problem was? They, kept, they didn't see that the enemy was trying to mess up their lives. When you accept his truth, even when we don't see him, I think we sing a song like that, Tanner, even when we don't see him, 
We don't hear him or feel him. He is hard at work on our behalf. Somebody say amen. Do you know that Jesus loves you all today? Jesus cares about you all today. And even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, I want to tell you, Jesus is, and the Holy Spirit is standing at the door today. And he's knocking and saying, hey, y'all let me in. <laughs> y'all let me in. I love you. And I want to help you through this season of your life. That's hope. That's hope deep down. Will you stand with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your truth this morning. We're going to sing one verse of invitation this morning. And this verse of invitation is for you today that don't know Jesus as your Savior. Man, I feel like that there's just a number of folks here this morning that is not sure that they've ever been saved. And this hope that I've talked about today that God and His sovereignty knew that you needed to hear this message today about how to be saved. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is your hope and your salvation. He paid it all. And as we sing a verse of invitation, our counselors will meet with you at an old-fashioned church altar if you would like to find hope today, I want to invite you to come as we sing a verse of invitation. Maybe you're a church member here this morning and you're struggling. You keep trying to see things and fix things on your own. It's exhausting. You're burned out. You're tired. Today's the day to come and say, Jesus, get the log out of my eye. Let me see your glory. Who cares about the rest? I'm going to put my hope back in Jesus. If you need to come as we sing, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.